Welcome to this podcast from Field Partner International. This is one of a series of interviews posted on our website and YouTube channel, where we will hear from experienced missionaries sharing stories and insights from their journeys. We are an online community and resource for Christian missionaries working across cultures. You can visit our website, fieldpartner.org, which features free video courses, blogs, podcasts, sermons, and more. Subscribe to this channel, our YouTube channel, or Facebook page to stay updated on our latest resources. Hello, I'm Christine Patterson, lifelong cross-cultural missions worker and trainer. I'd like to welcome you to this interview today with Barry and Rowena McKnight. They are old friends of ours, with whom Ross and I have significant history. Barry and Rowena worked for many years in Thailand in a variety of different mission roles and have also been involved in training of different kinds, including cross-cultural training, both for Thai nationals and also for other nationalities, for those wanting to work in the region. So we have great admiration and respect for them both. Okay, so let's begin. Thank you both so much. It's a pleasure to see you again, and I've been looking forward to doing this interview with you. Thank you, Christine. <laughs> welcome. Okay, so let's start with your roots, with your backgrounds. Okay, well, hello, I'm going to start off. Um, I come from a, a military family. My dad was in the army, and oh. so basically I was born um, in a small village near where he was posted, and um, we don't really have any roots in one particular place. And so all through my childhood, we moved around and every two or three years, and I had time at boarding school, and um, my teenage years were split between Singapore and Germany. So, um, and my family weren't Christians at all, so we never went to church. And then when, um, when I got to the end of my schooling, I felt that I wanted to do nursing, and so I applied to a hospital in London and got accepted. Um, to do my nurses' training at St. Bartholomew's Hospital. Right. And um, in my first month there, I had decided that I would try going to church, um, but there, I, there wasn't really any church that I knew about. But one of our sister tutors who was training us was, um, apparently she was a Christian because the other people in the in my group said watch out for her she's religious I didn't really know what they meant <laughs> <laughs> but after a month um, I just knew that I wanted to talk to her and so one day I went to her and knocked on her door and I said can you help me and basically sort of thinking maybe I had a question about my and um, studies but I went in to see her and I can't remember what happened in there, but I came out a Christian <laughs> and it completely changed my life. And I was just so excited. And I started reading the Bible and um, then throughout my whole training, I got involved with the Christian Union, which was very mission orientated because um, we had lots of mission doctors and nurses who had trained there and gone out to the mission field mm. and so gradually through that time I became interested in mission and as I prayed um, I felt God leading me towards Asia and um, I read books I read Hudson, Ty Hudson Taylor's biography 
and really felt that God was calling me to mission. Mm-hmm. And I um, started getting the magazine of um, the Overseas Missionary Fellowship. And I went to different conferences. And by the time I got to the end <coughs> of my training, I knew that God was calling me to do mission. Mm-hmm. And specifically felt that I would be going to Thailand. Right. And from there, um, when I left, um, my finished my training and had worked as a nurse for two or three years in different situations, I applied to go to All Nations um, Training College right. to train further in mission. Yeah. So. Over to Barry then. <laughs> well, I was born in... Bradford, Yorkshire, and like Rowena, my, my parents are not Christians, but I, I was sent to Sunday school when I was quite small, probably to get me out of the way and give my parents some peace. <laughs> but I had that background, also boys' brigade, so I had some churchy uh, background. And uh, But um, I, it was when I joined the army, um, I was I was board I, my job wasn't going well so I gave gave up a job and I went I went into the army signed on to the army and it was whilst I was in Germany uh, I felt my life was going nowhere I mean I, I was just a lost confused young soldier 20 years old my life was going spiraling downward and uh, drinking too much and I didn't have any answers and I met uh, a man who was part of my team actually um, who seemed to have it all together, he was very, very happy and content, had a lovely family. And I said, what's, what's with you? What, what was different? And he said, uh, said, he said, uh, he said what, what's made the difference? He said, Jesus. And I laughed and I said, no, 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 don't, don't give me that religious stuff. I've, I've, you know, I've given that up because it didn't work. And he said, no, 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 you don't understand. It's not religion, it's about Jesus. And he said, I challenge you to come and study the Bible with me and find out more. Because I had lots of questions. Why was I on earth? What what was I doing here? What was the point of life? There's no point in life. And and so I started studying the Bible and God started uh, working in my life. One evening I I felt really under conviction and, and, and I had to do something. And I walked out of the bar when I was, I was in communication. My job was communication during the day. But I worked in a bar in the evenings and uh, I just walked out and I said to the other soldiers, I said, this is it, I'm not, I'm not coming back. I walked over to the chapel on the, on the camp on my own there in, 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 in that chapel. And I had a most an amazing uh, encounter with God. I can't explain it. But I came out of that place. It wasn't a vision. It wasn't an audible voice or anything. But I just knew the presence of God in such a powerful way. And I gave my life over to God. I mean, I didn't know what I was doing. I didn't know you had to pray a sinner's prayer or anything. I knew nothing. But, but I came out of that um, chapel really into a new person. I mean, things changed so radically that my friend said, what, what's happened to you? I mean, you're not swearing, you're not getting drunk every night, you're not, you know, you've changed. So then I started my life's work of introducing people to Jesus. <laughs> so, so, but then, um, you, did you land up at, at All Nations as well? Is that where you yes, were in? It was good time in the army. I, I learned a lot. I read a lot. It was through, um, yeah, it was through reading Hudson Taylor's biography like, 
Rowena, that I felt a call to mission. Right. And, uh, and so when I left the army, I went to, well, I was in contact with uh, Overseas Missionary Fellowship, the OMF, the agency we went out with, and, and they advised me to go to all nations and to prepare myself in that way. And I met Rowena there, and within nine months, we, the rest we were married. We were married. <laughs> Brilliant. So then, um, well, I, I was going to say, preparing to go, like, unlike Ross and me, you, you two really did get the works in terms of mission training. And you also, as, as, as you just said, went to Thailand via the classic route with an excellent agency. So tell us about not only the training, the orientation, but also the early days on the field. How long did you spend in language study and how valuable was that whole foundation for your future effectiveness? Okay, well, um, Barry actually was a year ahead of me at All Nations and we got married at the end of my first year. So we stayed at All Nations for another six months and then um, had six months working with Barry's home church. And throughout that whole time, we were in touch with, um, with Overseas Missionary Fellowship and preparing to go out with them. And we went through the candidate procedure and application and were accepted by them as missionaries. And... Um, so at the end of our six months with Barry's home church, we went um, to Singapore first and did orientation for three months, two ten, months, two ten months, weeks, ten weeks. And um, so that can I was interrupt that. So the orientation is was into general Asian culture or specific. Yeah, yeah. Yes. So, so we got to um, we were orientated kind of into the mission and into general Asian culture. And we were with a group of 19 other missionaries, well, all of us, 19. And we were all going to different countries in Asia. Okay. So from, um, <clears throat> that was a really valuable time and sort of set us on the right road. Mm. And um, then from there, we went um, to Thailand and we had our first year in Bangkok. And it was just completely um, set aside for us to learn the language and do orientation. Mm -hmm. And so we, we lived with other missionaries and in Bangkok in, um, and went to a local um, language school. And I, it was just so valuable. The whole program was we had the language school, which was excellent, but it was constantly backed up by um, experts in the mission who kept us going and helped us with problems that we might be having. And so we had that whole year in Bangkok. And, um, but that wasn't the end of our language study. Mm. At the end of the year, we did an exam and... Um, and then we went down to where the place where we were going to be working and we continued in part-time work and um, in language study part-time. And we had to, we were never let off the hook. We had to finish our language study. And so we, it, it basically was a three-year course, but the, the um, second and third year were part-time. Okay. So just to, to follow up on that, um, 
What would you say to people who think that you can start off just by preaching with interpretation rather than actually getting stuck into language? What what either as the value of the way you you did it? Well, our from our experience, when we first started learning the language, we actually weren't allowed to speak through interpretation. Right. I think we were only allowed to give our testimony once through an interpreter. But if we couldn't say it, we didn't say it. Okay. Okay. And um, for us in our situation, um, I personally felt that that was the best way to go. Mm-hmm. And um, I mean, all through our time, we have actually heard some um, very bad interpretation because knowing the language and then hearing it being interpreted. Mm-hmm. And so I would recommend that people really got stuck into the language and didn't use interpreters. Okay, good. Good. Barry, how about you? What's your your view on that? I really found language study quite difficult, which (laughs) surprised me. I did French and German at school and did quite well, but um, I found it quite difficult. And I think one of the reasons was the tones. I just couldn't get the tones. So one day in desperation, I went to the language supervisor, missionary language supervisor, and I said, I've got a problem with tones here. I can't, can't continue it like this. And she called over the, the Thai um, uh, assistant, you know, the, the uh, actually Thai lady who, who ran this uh, language school, and she said, uh, we'll, we'll give you a test. And after the test, they looked at me and smiled and said, you definitely do have a pr- problem here. <laughs> So this is what we recommend. And they gave me lots of drills to do, like five tones. So it was was listening to a high tone next to a low tone with a medium tone and a rising tone and and all these drills that I had to listen to hour after hour. I just listened and it nearly drove me crazy. But I got a breakthrough and I never looked back. Mm-hmm. And, and I didn't have problem with tones after that. If if I did make a mistake, I knew immediately and corrected it. So it was a, it was a, I would have gone. I would have had to go home if I hadn't had that break. So so I would say, you know, get help mm-hmm. if you do find weaknesses. You do find. And another thing I would say: try and eliminate all your foreignness. We've we've heard people speak Thai, and you could tell whether they were Geordies or whether they were. They were, uh, you know, from Liverpool or, where, or they're from Scotland or whether they're from the States or Australia through their accent. And we had, we said, no, we don't want this. I don't want to speak Thai with a Yorkshire accent. <laughs> I want to, I want to try and eliminate as much foreigners as I can and, and mm-hmm. try and speak like, like a Thai. So that was a real challenge. <clears throat> just, just a couple more things. When I think um, it's a challenge when we're, going out as missionaries and you feel you've really got something to give and you've got the knowledge, but it's so important to be a learner. Right. right. You're going into a new as well. Yeah. Be a learner, ask questions Mm. and don't be afraid of not knowing. And also I think, you know, learning the language is so important, but also learning the culture. Mm. And so, because yeah. they go hand in hand. Yeah. It really does help you to understand and get to know the people and be involved with local people. Yeah. Spend time with them, That's ask right. questions, 
do simple things. You know? That's right. Yeah, we, we, we did have Thai friends that we used to go out with and, and do things with, and that really, really helped. That's and, great. Uh, so, um, then you got into various different seasons of service. Your, your call was to Thailand, but not necessarily to one organization or denomination, or even one kind of work. So can you briefly talk us through the different kinds of work that you were involved with once you got the language down and what you learned from each one? Okay, well, we first, our first 10 years were actually with OMF and we were doing church planting. And when we, um, we moved to the south of Thailand, we were never left totally on our own. We did work under um, a senior missionary and we had a lot of encouragement and help um, even at that time. Right. And so we, we did two, um, two four-year terms of, um, with OMF. And um, that was amazing. We helped to church plant um, in the village. And then we did, um, we started a church in the border town with Malaysia. And it was, it was a really good time. And we enjoyed it. It wasn't always easy. We, yeah. were, we were on our own most of the time. And in those days, there was no internet or... <coughs> or anything so it was a challenge but that was a good time and then um, after our 10 years with OMF we we actually left the mission and then we went we went to, to work the with the step. national church so originally <coughs> we were pioneering and then we worked to uh, went to work with a national church under a national church and then we were working alongside nationals Thai nationals training them to do to do church planting, so we've we've had the whole range of experience of pioneering on our own, handing over to nationals, handing over churches that we've planted to nationals, to Thai pastors, uh, and then and then working with a national church, uh, showing them, going with them, helping them do the job of church planting, which is much easier, uh, and then it's on that foundation of being national church right from the start. And then I did other things. I, I wrote a whole series of Bible reading notes in Thai because there was such a dearth of, of materials in those days. You, you didn't have Bible study materials. So, so they said, well, you write, you, if you want them, you have to write them. So I did. <laughs> I didn't know it was, I could do that. But I did that on a, on a range of New Testament uh, epistles and uh, proper Bible, daily Bible study notes people could go through each day and I taught them how to do it and that was that was a really really helpful in the church planting program uh, and then I taught at a few bible seminaries bible schools and uh, and then got in touch and then we were involved with training missionaries new missionaries who came out didn't come out with an organization came out independently and of course they didn't know the language so Rowena helped them help set up a, a language school program for them trained a, a Thai pastor's wife to teach to teach them how to learn Thai and that was that was great it really did an amazing job and then we do orientation with them and then we teach them how to do church planting and how to function as missionaries on the field so we did that too and then I helped other missionaries with their work uh, I did uh, went around the country doing uh, leadership training weekends and then uh, special meetings in the evening, 
uh, and uh, you know evangelistic meetings in the evening and that sort of thing and uh, the odd trip overseas went to Sri Lanka to help train some church planters and it was just a good time with a lot of variety mm-hmm. and then of course we got involved with the juniper tree right uh, <laughs> we we only had we had two years <coughs> with the national church but right. then um after that we moved to um the town where the juniper tree was huihin on the coast and for the first four years actually we got involved locally with the church and by then we had four children and I had been doing homeschool and was still doing homeschool. And um, we used to go just go down to the juniper tree and, and we knew the lady who ran it. And I, for the first... <laughs> juniper tree is? Yeah, explain what it is. Oh, sorry. The juniper <laughs> tree is um, a holiday retreat center for, and it was for missionaries all over Asia. Right. And um, they might they came from different countries, and they were working in different countries, mm. and they would come for um, a break and a holiday, including but, us. Um, we'll come to that. <laughs> <laughs> the lady, the lady who ran it, um, she ran the juniper tree with along with fifteen Thai staff, but mm. she never took any time <clears throat> off, and so I actually offered her a day off a week, which she. Um, grudgingly accepted but um, and so I used to go up and help with the juniper tree just one day a week and then after that she had to go away for she was in her 70s and she had to go to have a, a operation on her eyes and it actually had um, complications and she was never able to come back and work mm-hmm. and so I was the only one who knew how to run the juniper tree. Mm. And so basically we, Landed um, on over a series of weeks, we moved into the juniper <laughs> tree and took it over and ran it for the next four years. Right. And so <clears throat> that was an amazing time. Yeah. And well, for our own personal history, it was very significant because we, just at the time that we most needed it, we got to, you welcomed us to come down at your busiest time over Christmas. And we were very, very grateful. <laughs> so that was quite significant for us, really, in the, over Chinese New Year, we'd just block it off and have people who were working, expats who were working in China, come over and we'd put on special things, special meals, special seminars if they wanted, and worship, and, and it was just such so good for them to come for two or three weeks and, and relax. Totally, and and, and and also we had people who came who were burned out, really, and thinking of leaving the field, and we were able to help them and, and pray with them and build them up, and, and, and they went back to the field, and some of them are still there. We, 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 we're still in contact with them, and it was such a blessing, and we had some kind of renewal meetings around the time of what they call the Toronto Blessing, uh, you may remember that, Christine. I do. I do. Ross came, didn't you, at that time? And and there was it was such a blessing, and such an and I, <coughs> we ran a Sunday meeting as well with people from every denomination and every background and countries and language and nationality. It was quite an exciting uh, church to run. <laughs> so by then you had all yeah, all four kids were obviously born by then. <laughs> And uh, yes. so you, 
when I was, the next question I was going to ask was about education because, I mean, that, having kids on the field brings its own challenges, you know, how to keep them safe and, you know, all the different aspects of, um, especially yours with blondish red hair. There must have been a real oddity in Thailand and, and, you know, would attract attention, that kind of thing. But, I mean, then the main thing is how to make sure they get a good education. You've already said you did um, homeschooling. So why don't you talk about the different kinds of education that, that was involved in that? Um, yes, well, when um, our, our first um, one was born, Esther, she... We were still in OMF, and um, at that time, OMF had a boarding school in um, Malaysia for, for elementary school children, and they went there from when they were six years old. Mm-hmm. And so we kind of never really questioned it, um, but when Esther was six years old, she actually went to Shifu in Malaysia, mm-hmm. in the Cameron Highlands, and she was there for a year. And it was, it was very hard, and it was hard seeing her go. And, but she, she enjoyed it, um, um, and we've been able to talk about it since. But um, she actually only did one year, because um, after that we left OMF, and um, so we were on our own. And when we came back to Thailand after leaving OMF, we made decisions of what to do. And I felt strongly that I wanted to keep the children on the British system of education so that for their future, they would um, have opportunities um, that they could choose. And so we, had a, we found a, um, a correspondence course from England and we had the, um, the material sent out. And so for the next... Over a period of six years, I um, homeschooled. <laughs> I, I homeschooled. Marina. <laughs> six years I, of homeschooling, my goodness. For, um, for the time when we were in Bangkok with the National Church, I had um, our youngest who was one year old, and then the other three who were all at different stages of their junior school education. Right. And um, so... I mean, I'm just so thankful it it worked, and they did very well. Right. And um, and from there, they well, I, I better I better sorry, just jump back a bit. Um, Esther actually had another a year and a half in England with a family in our church because I I only um, homeschooled them up to the end of. Um, their junior school education up to the year six. So when it got to year seven or grade seven, um, we had to think again. And so she actually had a year and a half in England when we were in Thailand. And she would come out for the holidays. Um, And that that wasn't an easy time. It wasn't an easy time for her. Mm. But then um, at the end of that time, we had moved into the juniper tree and it was getting to our, our next one, Pete's time for year seven. And we were praying about what to do. And we heard about this um, school in India, boarding school, which was a, a kind of international, Christian international school. 
and um, we so we prayed about it and um, didn't quite know what to do. We so we wrote to the principal and we discovered that we had actually been at boarding school, uh, sorry, at Bible school with him. Right. And um, and as well as that, I knew his wife before she married him because we did beach missions together when I was nursing. So, so they said, send your children. And so we actually, um, over the next few weeks, we prayed about it with the children, talked to them, tried to find out as much information and went to visit a missionary in Thailand who had had children there. And so our three older children went to Hebron Mm -hmm. and they loved it. Right. Okay, so then that became the bridge for us when we visited and you opened the door for us to at least introduce, for us to be, send our kids there as well, but only for a briefer time. And I think it was perhaps less ideal for us, but there we go. I mean, sometimes you, you do what you feel God is calling you to do and then you have to just leave the results to him, don't you? Yes, yes. And, and trust that all of it is part of the journey. Anyway, but it was, a, I mean, fantastic when we started. And um, under Rod and Ruthie, it was just great for the, for the kids. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. And I'm glad that yours had a, <laughs> such a good time there. So anyway, as well as um, Thailand, it seems that there was another nation that the Lord had particularly laid on your heart, Barry. And that is where we also had begun to come into the picture. So tell us about the trips that you started making into China. Yes. Well, I said at the beginning, I got my call from reading Hudson Taylor's biography, so immediately I wanted to leave the army and go to China and become a missionary. But it was during the years of the Cultural Revolution, and you couldn't be going to China. So that's one of the reasons why we went to Thailand. Uh, and we worked with uh, for a while with a Chinese fellowship in, in Bradford too. Uh, but yes, when we're back in England, uh, we went back for five years because we wanted to see the children start university, or two of them anyway, and then the, then the third one. And so whilst we were there, <clears throat> one time you were you were there in, in New York and you uh, organised a meeting, um, a prayer meeting, and you asked me if I would take part. And I said, yes, but you wanted me to uh, actually host the uh, Australian director of the mission, uh, and, and and which I was willing to do and happy to do, and so I, uh, so I, I, we, he stayed with us, and then we brought him to York for the day, and I think it was a setup actually. I think there's, I think you had something more in mind than just me helping on that day, one day, because we got on really well with. Uh, I call him Jack, um, <laughs> yeah. and uh, and it was great to be able to hear what he was doing uh, in intercession on intercession teams in northwest china uh, with a particular a group um, and um, i just i just felt wow <coughs> i'd love to do that and uh, as it worked out um, i had an invitation to to go on a on a on a summer team intercession team to go out to china and uh, i felt that was really of god and i remember when I stepped into China, uh, tears were just rolling down my cheeks. I was so felt so emotionally uh, emotional, and, and and the reason being, I'd prayed for China for thirty years, exactly to the year thirty years for China, and I, that was 
and now I was there. <laughs> and uh, it was so uh, emotional, so moving. And that led to going on many, many trips and, and also going in to do pastoral work with students and things. So, yeah, I mean, that was a tremendous turnaround uh, for us. Right. And then, um, so that also led to something that where you were tremendous um, help to us because you started training people for us who were going to land up in China. So why don't you talk yeah. about that as well? Because yeah, I think you, I mean, in your book you speak of having had, was it a prophetic word or just some advice? Where you, they yeah. said, um, you should be a trainer of others, especially leaders. Yeah, yeah it's interesting because I realized I'd just done about everything that missionaries do, uh, you know, in the church, church planting sense. I'd been evangelist, pastor, and, I, and so I didn't know what direction my life was going in the future. I'd done some leadership training too. So one day I, I went to see this very wise church leader I had great respect for, and I laid it out before him. I said, I've done pastor work, but I don't want to be a pastor. I've taught in Bible schools, but I don't want to work full-time in a Bible school. And, and, and he, he started laughing. I said, he said, it's easy. He said, God wants you to be a trainer. You've had so much experience in different fields, different areas of ministry. You've got to raise up people who can do that job. And I said, thank you, Lord. <laughs> and I never looked back. Mm, um, great. I, we did the Antioch School of Mission uh, in Chiang Mai and trained people for, you know, for mission. Right. And I yes. think you're, you're um, I mean, as much as anything, that your, your life as a couple, as a family, that, that kind of was part of the training. Because Rowena, you were the hostess, but you showed tremendously Absolutely. what hospitality well, yeah. was all about. And then yes. that was um, doing all the, the teaching or orchestrating the teaching. So, great. Absolutely. Well, we had them living in our house with us. Right. And... Um, so that was a challenge for them and the challenge for us as well. <laughs> but um, we, I mean, we didn't have any um, helpers in the house. And so everyone had a job to do. And I got the, the students involved in helping in the kitchen as well. So they would take it in turns and um, make the, the main meal of the day with me. And so in that way, they were learning how to, how to cook in an Asian kitchen right. and how to use different um, different things that they'd never met before. And as well as that, I took them on trips around um, the local markets and um, helped them to just understand what it was like going mm. shopping every day and buying in the local market. And I, I know that that actually really helped um, quite a few of them in their time when they moved into China. Mm. Yeah, I think another factor in running school, it wasn't just academic, it wasn't just <clears throat> uh, learning from books and, and reading and that, but it was also, I'd take them out on field trips so they could get experience. They got involved in local church and, and uh, cell groups and things. And, but it was, it was, for us, it was a matter of not just learning how to do things but it was attitudes it was character building mm. it was uh, this is what we felt were, were important things and growing in the lord spiritually and, and uh, worshiping together and learning to work together as a team and it was it was a holistic kind of experience not just a an academic kind of 
school. <clears throat> so that was um, a whole five years, I think you, you did that for yeah, us. Five, yeah. You owe tremendous debt. Because, <laughs> I mean, then we, we migrated the school inside China, but you carried on going inside Barry to help with the teaching yeah. for a while. Yes. Yeah. So um, now, I mean, I know you went on and did other things in Thailand afterwards, but just um, from our point of view with the with your partner, um, we're fully aware that um, you, we can't replicate the experience that you gave people in your own home training like you did. But, you know, what, so what would you feel would be the things that, um, you know, having a school online to have, uh, you know, where, where would you think the, the shortfall would be uh, by not having the... To be honest, I, I'm not really sure. I mean, it's such an amazing course. I've looked at it and I'm thinking, oh, you've got everything. <laughs> you've, you've really done a lot of work and, and uh, a, lot, a lot to offer in the course. I'm sure I can find a gap there to slot Well, I mean, in. one of the ones that I'm very aware of is orientation. You know, so uh, because we can't orientate to a particular culture. So we, right. um, that would be something that would be useful to, to sort of build up a whole resource of, you know, different major cultures and introduction yeah. to the, made to the other religions and so on. But, um, but I think, you know, maybe one thing would be... Um, People doing what you did, hosting, just getting the, the teaching online, but hosting in their own homes or, or in small groups, that kind of thing. I think it is coaching is the is the way to go. I mean, we, we've we've done that, as I say, on the field, but it, it's still important, and we could do some of that online mm-hmm. as well. So I think that's maybe an area that I can yeah. I can help. And yeah. um, I mean, the, you you went out and. Learn things like debriefing, for example. So yes. um, that, that's yes. another thing which people can, as a skill, that's actually not very difficult because you just need to be a listener. But yeah. Yeah, it's the kind of, you know, the, a skill that people need to understand the, the value of. Yeah. yeah. That's true. Reentry is a big thing and people don't, un, don't realize, you know, how important it is for people coming back to their home country. They need, they need help. With that, so reintroduce is a big thing. Mm-hmm. Okay, well, so we're looking forward to seeing how we can um, collaborate in the future. <laughs> See how that how it pans out because we'd love to tap into your experience even more than we have. Um, and I mean, I don't know. You you may say no to this, but I mean, if anybody wanted to read your book, would there be a way that they could get hold of it? Well, I think they would have to write to me and, and introduce themselves to me, and I see where they are and what the, you know. And and yes, I am. I haven't published it because I don't want it publishing. It's a, it's a family. It's for family. It's for friends. It's for people who supported it on the field for forty years. I mean, it's for close friends and some of my students. Mm. Uh, I'm not trying to keep it secret, but I, I don't want it. I don't want it to go just go everywhere. It's a, it's a special. Well, well, I mean the the, the value. Um of the stories is what really impacts me. Yes. I'm still cleaning the, the stories out, yes. of the, out of the book. And I, so I think, you know, some of those stories would, would be really worth yes. sharing. I mean, the, and the, the cultural insights. So, yes. Anyway. Yeah. Right. Well, thank you both so much. <laughs> and um, yeah, we look forward to 
seeing how this all pans out. Yeah. But um, anyway, the, the title of the book, which I think sums up the way that, um, that Barry is, is Life is Not Boring. And that would be your summation <laughs> of your life on the field. Is that not so? That life is not boring. <laughs> no, definitely not. In three parts as well. <laughs> <laughs> right. Okay. So, well, thank you so much, both of you, for um, share, having this time with me. And it's been such a joy to chat. It's given us much food for thought. Um, and uh, so that's it for today. Thank you for joining us. And if you've enjoyed this interview, then please spread the word on social media or by sending it to a friend. And why not go across to feedpartner.org and find out how much else we have to offer. So bye-bye for now and God bless. Thank you for listening to this podcast from Field Partner. You can watch or listen to more interviews by subscribing to this channel, our YouTube channel, or our Facebook page. For free cross-cultural mission courses, blogs, sermons, and other resources, visit our website, fieldpartner.org.